Arsenal fans may be the most frustrated in the past three days, not only because their club lost to Porto in the UEFA Champions League, but also for failing to shoot at the target at all. Milan fans might be able to share part of their depression because their side lost to Ren in the UEFA Europa League. The good news was that Milan advanced to the next stage. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host, Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleagues, Josh and Bargab here. Great to be back. Glad to be here. So, Arsenal, um, in the past two or three years, I was thinking that, oh, Arsenal got different, got better. Mm -hmm. I was proved wrong and wrong again, and this time by Porto. How was that, like, how was that loss? I mean, the thing with Porto is I've liked them for quite a while. I do like Sergi Conceição as the manager. But this really should have been a game where a team that almost won the Premier League, a team Mm -hmm. that's challenging for it now should really have won and instead you just had this limp lifeless performance where the ongoing criticism that they don't have a solid striker oh yeah they've won games by four five six nil this season and that tended to put those things to bed when you see a game like this where there's no shots on target for an entire 90 minutes Mm -hmm. it really made me think that i don't know my main takeaway was the lack of the away goals because that really would have pushed things forward, made them go for the attack. When instead, it felt like they could just sit back and absorb the minnows, then go back to the Emirates and get a win. And instead, with the last kick of the game, they lose 1-0, and now they're on the back foot, and that really could come and, you know, backfire. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was not really a uh, characteristic uh uh, I mean, not characteristic of Arsenal, the way they played a- against Porto. You look at their last few games in the Premier League. I mean, they've been uh, blowing teams mm-hmm. away in the last three, four games. Uh, one against Liverpool, scored five or six, uh, you know, against West Ham. And they've been very comfortable. And you look at the, their approach against Porto. I mean, they were kind of a bit too cautious at times. Uh, Porto had those couple of opportunities at the beginning and then... Things kind of slowed down after that and Arsenal kind of seemed happy to, you know, go with the flow, let things kind of slow mm. down. And they didn't really end as the team, as the team that's expected to kind of go for, uh, you know, a few goals and take a big lead into the second leg. They didn't really show such ambitions. And I think, uh, as Josh pointed out, I mean, lack of a striker is a problem. But I think I'd say this game had more to do with their approach. It was not really... uh, I I mean, I didn't really expect Arsenal to play the way they did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Porto, of course, credit to them. They really had, uh, you know, they... Stuck to their guns, they were very organized, uh, especially uh, you know not letting Arsenal space in the final third. I think they were very well set up at the back, and of course, uh, I mean heading into the second leg, I'd still say that uh, Arsenal are the favorites, mm-hmm. but they would obviously at home. You would expect them to kind of be more proactive, and I think. Uh, this is something, the way they approach this game, they can't really afford to do that in the Champions League, no matter you know how tricky the teams are, they would have to be a bit more uh, bit more proactive in the way they approach uh, games like this. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, strikerless, blowing weak teams in their own league, uh, 
can't really having their own rhythm when the uh, opponent's defenders were well organized, and also lacking passion. Was it me or it sounded like Barcelona from let's say four years ago or even now? I mean, before Barcelona, as a fan in China, before Barcelona's rise、mm-hmm. with the because what I heard the most was Arsenal were playing the art of football without winning anything. Yeah. So was the old Arsenal back or what? Well, well, I'd say I mean Arsenal haven't been in this situation for a long time, so、True. it's it, it's a kind of a new situation for most of these players.、Uh, I mean, I can't remember the last time they were both in the Premier League title race and in the knockout stages. Yeah, well, you're going、time. back about twenty years. When Winger was <laughs>、yeah. still here. Probably 2011 yeah, was the yeah, last yeah. time. Yeah, so it's a tricky situation. And Porto, to be fair to them, it's not the easiest place place to go to. So it was always going to be a bit tricky. And、mm-hmm. I think they were a bit more cautious about not letting in goals,、um, not you know let. Porto, the home side, take the initiative, and、uh, I mean we don't have away goals, the away goal rule、uh, right now, but maybe that kind of prevented them from trying,、uh, oh yeah, going for a going for a few goals、uh, on the other end, and they seem pretty much happy to you know let things be and go back home and、mm-hmm. you know take the uh, uh, take the tie on aggregate in the second leg, second leg maybe, but、uh, overall I think、uh, it's still. Uh, I mean, it's still the halfway stage,、mm. so、uh, they don't have a lot of experience at this、no. level in the last、mm. few years. But、uh, I mean, they are still the favorites, and I would expect them to go back home, and they will have a lot of time to prepare for the second leg. Of course, quite a few Premier League games that they will prioritize、True. in the next few next couple of weeks. But they have a lot of time to prepare for the second leg, and I'd expect them to go back home. You know, do their homework and come back、uh, in the second leg with all guns blazing. Yeah,、mm-hmm. I mean that. That's it. Arteta did say basically it's half time. Yeah, and fair enough. Half time in general, when you're one nil down, it's not game over. When you've got another ninety minutes to go, it's、mm-hmm. definitely not, especially when you're going to be at home. But you would have assumed that they would have gone into this game thinking, okay, let's take an early advantage and do something about it. Whereas instead, like Bargab said, they were very willing to let、um, Porto play their own game. And now when they're going back home, yes, that gives them the advantage. But the way that this Porto team is set up, they are so well drilled. Like the discipline that's in this squad, there is a reason why they did hold、uh, Arsenal to having no shots. Yes, you can say, well, Trossard's not that great for striker, and Martinelli and Saka wingers, blah blah blah. And the reality is, they are so good at closing teams down、mm-hmm. that going even、um, to the Emirates, there's no guarantee that that brick wall philosophy will crumble immediately. Yeah, and. Not only that, yes, it'll give them urgency, Arsenal. I mean, but it might also give them desperation. And if that happens and they open up at the back, it could be a lot of problems. That's true. So Arsenal now they're not okay. We're not really winning it, but we still have chance. Milan lost, although they still went to the next stage, but still losing to Ren to a League One team and not really the top one was still kind of upsetting for the fans, I guess. Well, I guess it has a lot to do with priorities. Yeah. I mean, you have a three nil lead, and you are in a bit of a comfortable、mm-hmm. position. And、uh, I mean, the only thing that they needed、uh, to do was basically to avoid、uh, 
a horror show and True. kind of avoid a 3 nil loss or a goal or a loss by three goal margin and which they did so i think their priority right now is to make sure that they advance to the next round and in the league uh, they are in a bit of a comfortable position i mean they are in the third four places yeah. mm-hmm. and they're not going to win the title this season no. but uh, they should be able to close down that uh, top four spot mm-hmm. uh, given the fact that you know roma and uh, of course napoli are far yeah. away but roma and the other teams chasing the top four they're not really you know doing very well on a con- consistent basis so uh I think with the league uh, top four position more or less settled, they have kind of room to maneuver in terms of how they want to rotate their squad, how they want to uh, you know look at these tournaments, the Europa League, uh, and Europa League. Uh, I think they they just uh, need to make sure they make it to the next round, and mm-hmm. uh, I think the priority for them will be now they are in the round of sixteen, have a very uh, in a, I would say, comfortable position, even though they're not in the title race. And the priority would be to make sure you do well in the uh, tournament where you have a good chance of making it far or even go for the title. So uh, this shouldn't be a big, uh, I mean, thing for them losing against Ren, uh, especially with the tie, you know, having taken a big lead in the first leg. So, I mean, it should be um, given everything that has uh, gone so far for them this season. The priority should be to do well in the Europa League uh, and they won't really, you know, look at this loss and say, oh, I mean, it's a big thing to, I, I mean, it's a big loss or anything. They'll just, you know, look forward to the next round and they can prioritize, uh, you know, going for a title in the Europa League. I mean, honestly, I don't think it'll be that. I almost think it'll be a case of, like, this is a learning experience, this was a bit too close for comfort, because this looked to me like the kind of game where it's already 3-0, ah, we can take our feet off the pedal, and instead that backfired to the degree where they did have to actually start playing in the second half. And even though, yes... It's a league on team. It's Ren. We don't know too much about them. It still seemed like they realized if they don't play to their full strength, mm-hmm. they can be upset regardless of who they're up against. I did like how, particularly with that second goal with uh, Rafael Leao, he just ran right into the goal and just tapped in. It's like something I do on like FIFA against like a bad, a bad player online or something, which showed that even when they were down in the game, they were still willing to play with confidence Uh, really go for the win and even though they did end up losing by three in the back of their mind they must have known that as long as they had those game those goals by Lukijovic and Rafael Leao they they could still get through so I think what this is going to be is a learning experience where they realize we can't take our foot off the gas pedal and also we are good enough to come back even when our back's against the wall so this in many ways I like to think for Milan will be something of a moral victory Mm -hmm. even though it was an actual loss and it could come to benefit them in the later stages where you have that tiny gap in your mentality or something and it'll backfire in a big in a grander way that's true so for milan in their own words a club that has what is it called the champions league dna in Mm. their blood like Bargab said, they're not going to win the Serie A title this season. Yeah. So is winning or at least a good chance of winning the Europa League title, um, I don't know, a little prize for a little compensation for a half-disappointing season this I, time? Yeah. I hope so, because 
a thing that we've kind of discussed over the years with with the Champions League is it's become so dominated by the big money yeah. clubs that AC Milan does have that in their DNA. Like I think we were talking about it last season. It was great to see that black and red shirt back mm-hmm. in the tournament because for me that was Champions League football, European football when yeah. I was growing up. But you can also see there's a reason why this team has players like Simon Kea and Rafael Leao and uh, Niki Jovic in it because they just can't afford to compete with the top. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of having the Europa League here and then the Conference League underneath, I feel like it's almost become this t- tier system where a lot of people kind of realize, yes, the Champions League is the biggest and the best, but it's also a little bit more of like a super league. Oh, yeah. Whereas the old-fashioned uh, European football, where you could have a team like Red Star Belgrade winning it or Nottingham mm-hmm. Forest winning it, well, that's become the Europa League. So I think in the back of their mind, they will know, yes, this is a step down from a real Champions League victory. But if they can get the Europa League trophy, that still shows that they they are still a good team. They mm-hmm. can still compete in Europe and use that to build further. How far they can build further... That's not really for us to say. Last year, Calcio was back. This year, it's yeah. definitely not. No. I don't think Italian teams will ever be able to compete on a grand stage again, perhaps besides for Juventus, but even then, mm. not really with what they're going through. So I think they will look at this as probably the peak of what Italian football can achieve realistically. Mm-hmm. But also, these days, for a, a team like Milan, trophy is a trophy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Though it's the Europa League table is still a table. Like, mm. one of the top two tables in the whole European well, cafe. You know, consider, like, Liverpool are in it this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a thing which is I've heard discussed today, because, let's be honest, this week's match day was pretty poor on both days. Mm-hmm. There's been this kind of discussion of, with the nature of the big leagues at the moment, you have Liverpool at the top of the Premier League, Bayer Leverkusen at the top of the Bundesliga, yeah. but neither are in this. Not only are neither in this, but you have... Barcelona absolutely not at their best. I'm mm. sure we get to it. Um, by Munich stumbling. Oh, yeah. This particular season, it feels like the Champions League is is teams that are there on prestige and on name alone. Mm-hmm. So winning the Europa League this year might actually work out in the best because I'm sure a lot of fans, I've always enjoyed the Europa League, but this year, for me, it's more entertaining than the other one. Oh, yeah, that's true because it's really a close contest mm-hmm. now. It's not about like who is big on paper is actually big on the field. And yeah. That's actually what football is fun for. So back to the Champions League. Napoli, that sacked their manager two days before playing Barcelona. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. overconfidence or too low confidence in who they fired. And now they hosted Barcelona at a draw at home. So should the, uh, let's say, the owner, who is kind of an Italian version of Levi, <laughs> yeah. get, give a pap on Calzona on the back like, Good job, sir. Only two days to prepare. I think he he has to wait for the second leg oh, yeah. to finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, you look back at that game, uh, Napoli didn't really do too much to impress. They reacted yeah. well. They reacted. Durko is the only mm-hmm. one on the target. Yeah, yeah. They, they reacted well to, I mean, conceding that goal. But again, I mean... Uh, you would expect uh, against the Barcelona team that has not really been very good this season. No. This season, mm-hmm. I mean, far from being dominant, I mean, they have struggled at times, and you'd expect uh, Barcelona to uh, actually, given the way the season has panned out, you'd expect them to struggle in games like this. And uh, but the thing is, Napoli have been very poor too this yeah. season, and so uh, I mean, was a was a game between two teams. Uh, 
kind of in similar situations. Oh, of course, Barcelona are not that far away uh, from where Napoli, Napoli are. This season, Napoli are like way down the table in this in this area. But uh, still, I mean, you, Barcelona, you expect them to be in the title conversation in the league. They have not been there. And I think the game, uh, sh- you'd have expected Napoli to have taken a more, uh, you know, uh, more be more proactive in the way you go about things, especially uh, I, they didn't really, as you said, they had like one or two shots on target. I think. The, the only just, one, just yeah. One, yeah. So uh, they didn't really, you know, threaten the Barcelona goal to, on too many occasions. And I, I feel like Barcelona could have actually, you know, taken a lead back, back home had they been mm-hmm. a bit more adventurous, which they were not in this game. Again, both teams kind of trying to just gauge each other how uh, and, uh, how they measure up to each other instead of kind of uh, trying to uh, you know, try and get a lead uh, into the second le- leg, and uh, which is not really a bad approach in to in games like this. Uh, you know, Champions League round of 16 can be very tricky. Uh, Barcelona obviously wouldn't want to, uh, you know get knocked out uh, mm-hmm. it, it would be disastrous for them to get knocked out in the Champions League round of 16 especially given the fact that they're not oh, doing yeah. well in the league so uh, I think uh, I could understand their approach uh, but Napoli should have I, I mean it's not a bad result to get a 1-1 uh, draw but I, I did expect Napoli because they have all their you know eggs in this basket mm-hmm. uh, they're out of uh, they're the ninth in Serie A yeah. yeah so uh, given that background, uh, I don't think it's a very good result for Napoli but again, uh, the second leg is still there. Uh, a lot of things could happen. I think uh, uh, the way they reacted, that would give them some positives to take into the second leg uh, but it's it's not going to be easy for Napoli. I'd still ex- expect uh, Barca to, you know, take the le- take the tie in the second leg. True. Yeah, like I think which I was wondering is you know, you said it completely, ninth in the league. I thought they'd just give this their all. Mm. I did wonder if there was that early chance, I think from Gundogan, and I think that rattled them a little bit. And mm-hmm. from there, they kind of sat back, not really expecting Barcelona to do the same thing. I couldn't really figure out what both sides were doing. And in both cases, it ju- did just come down to like a moment of magic. Like, of all the goals we saw, yes, the Porter one had that nice parabola on it as it went in with the last kick of the game. But Lewandowski's goal where oh, it's just yeah. like he has that he has about an inch of space. Mm-hmm. He makes something from it. Like for me, Lewandowski, when he was at Bayern Munich, probably the most underrated player in the world, because he was putting in these fantastic goal scoring shifts season after season when the Messi Ronaldo rivalry was still there. He's gone to Barcelona perhaps at the worst possible time. But in doing that, he showed that he's still a, an amazing player. Mm. Whereas on the other side of things, you have Ozzyman who's been like a talisman. He was away for AFCON comes back and again one shot on goal one goal that's all he needed it shows that in these teams that are these individual pieces of talent just for some reason they couldn't get it going on one hand calzona you can understand two days notice first ever game as a manager with xavi i I can't figure it out i know this barcelona team feels like it's put together from bits of other squads rather than having its own unique identity but still You've got Lewandowski up front, you have Gundwin in the midfield, you have Jules Koundé as right back, Joao Cancelo on the left. Like, there's plenty of talent in the mm-hmm. squad, and he just can't really put it together, and I can't really figure out why. The one thing I do want to comment on, however, is Pedri. He was out on the left wing, and a thing which I've wondered for a while is there was that season 
must have been about two years ago, I guess, where he played a whole season, then went to play for the national team, then went to the Olympics, yeah. then did another whole season. He was like 17, 18 at the time. And I remember a lot of people saying, well, when you're that young, you're, you know, your body works with you, you can regenerate, you're not going to burn yourself out. I felt like I was looking at a player that was burning himself out because mm-hmm. he's just so, I wouldn't say slow, he's not, you know, it isn't like he's uh, Olivier Giroud at the end of his career where he can take about three steps without going out of breath. But he was not the Pedri of old and he was really bad at getting service into Lewandowski, which is why he had to score that goal with mm-hmm. barely an acre of space. So I was looking at this squad thinking all this talent and Xavi can't put it together, but I'm also looking at Pedri and thinking, has he burned out too young? Maybe. And for Lewandowski, I think what's interesting is, do you remember when he left by Munich, he said that he joined Barcelona because he believes he can win something he couldn't have won mm-hmm. in Bayern Munich. Well, that was not the Champions League, I yeah. assume. Maybe La Liga title, but how important that is. Also now, he, I think his goal, if I remember correctly, was the Barcelona's only goal in the uh, knockout stage at the Champions League mm-hmm. in three years. And now, I would not be shocked because yeah. now I think about it, it's been a bad run. Exactly. <laughs> and Lewandowski now is a top five goal scorers in the knockout stage in Champions League, mm-hmm. I guess. Imagine if he had stayed. Again, I totally agree. He's a fantastic striker now. Yeah. If he has stayed in Bayern, he would have made much more progress on that road, I believe, because at least Bayern were there all the time. And yeah. I, I think to be fair to him, what he meant was not the Champions League. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He probably meant the Ballon d'Or. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Too maybe, bad he didn't win it either. I, I mean, yeah. there is this per- perception that you go to Barcelona or Real Madrid and True. you have a better chance of winning the Ballon d'Or. But I mean, the uh, year they cancelled it when... It oh, was yeah. Yeah, 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 like, that, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that was uh, shameful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he should Not, actually go to FIFA or the uh, French magazine that yeah. actually voted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the next year, I mean, when he won... He, the special award category was created the best striker award, mm-hmm. I remember. Which <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just amazing that he didn't win after those two incredible years but I mean you have to you need your club to be you know in top form oh, yeah. to, for you to be Center in contention the so mm. uh, and that has not happened and as uh, I mean Josh puts uh, Josh put it very correctly I mean they don't really look like the Barcelona the unique uh, identity of Barcelona doesn't really isn't really reflected in this team uh, and the I think it has a lot to do with the transfers. They have been, uh, I mean, of course, we are aware of the problems of the pitch and the way they have been putting their team together. I think a lot of these players, uh, I mean, they wouldn't really go for these players had they been in a more financially secure position. So they have really been putting bits and pieces together without being able to cultivate that unique Barcelona identity. And that is kind of reflecting in their results. They are not really the dominant team that they were you know in the last uh, a decade before this mm. uh, and they're far away from there you can't yeah. really expect them to be anywhere near that position in the next two three years mm. yeah. so they have a lot of work to do and uh, i mean they would probably i would expect them to beat napoli in this uh, uh, you know in the second leg but i won't really consider them as one of the top uh, contenders for the title this season and even i mean next season you'll have the champions league having what 12 or 14 games in oh, the yeah. league yeah. stage the Swiss, Swiss model yeah. yeah i think 
it would you would only see the really strong teams making it to the knockout stages and i think it will be even more difficult from next season to win the title so that's true yeah it's, no, it's not, not only that easy. but just quickly talk about the swiss model there's mm-hmm. this big discussion going at the moment of who's going to get the places because of the yeah. uh, uefa yeah. coefficient so if it's what has already been rumored which is um Five for England and mm-hmm. five for Italy. Wow, five. Yeah, it's because it's. I don't know how it ends up being that those two at the very top. Something mm-hmm. to do with the Euro- taking European and global coefficients as well. If you are Barcelona and you're in a position where you have Real Madrid, who basically are going to win that league for four mm-hmm. or five years in a row, based on how strong they are already, yeah. plus potential Mbappe, uh, Atletico Madrid in this kind of. Uh, this evolution they're going through becoming way more attacking, which seems to be paying off. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have Hirona, who they were like the new story at first. Yes, they've dropped off, but then things have been released about how they are owned by Citigroup, and mm-hmm. that's meant to be the next development. I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at Barcelona for the next few years with this mess they're in financially, not being able to keep Xavi, not being able to attract top talent. If they are, go from being a giant of Europe to being something of an also-ran in a way that's similar to what AC Milan are these days. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those mind-boggling scenarios you never would have thought of a few years ago. That's true. Which shows just how much this black hole of money with Manchester City at the top. PSG and Newcastle. Precisely being able to drag away from what have been the traditional giants of Europe. Mm -hmm. So Barcelona became transformed from a giant in Europe into a giant debt of Europe. Yes, basically. Inter Milan are also dealing with a giant debt, but they are the only Italian club that actually won, and they beat Atletico Madrid. Mm -hmm. That was uh, still a close game, but I remember Josh said at the beginning that uh, you don't think this is another Serie A year, but... So you don't think that Inter Milan are going to copy or repeat their success last season? I, I, I couldn't see it. Like, I, I don't know what it is about the Italian teams this, this year, but they just don't seem to have it. Mm. And the thing is with the two up front they have, with uh, Turam and Lautaro Martinez, I've never been impressed by Martinez at all. No. <laughs> and Marcus Turam is always great as a second striker. But he's basically having to play as a first yeah. because of how poor Martinez is. So I do not think it's a surprise that the goal came from Marco Arnautovic, mm-hmm. specifically from a rebound from a Martinez strike yeah. where he just blasted it right into the goal. And I do like uh, Simone Inzaghi's style where he has that big wide midfield which just kind of spreads all the way across and provides a lot of options up front. But quite simply, I'm just not, I'm not seeing it coming together in a way that in a way that will um, take them to the final again, especially when they're against another. This uh, Atletico Madrid side, like I say, they are very much in a transition from being the anti-football master of the dark arts, Diego Simeone, to being way more attacking. So they're very fluid moving forwards, which should have allowed, like I say, this widespread midfield to mm-hmm. pounce and go through. But instead, it was... It was like end-to-end, but every time they got to an end, the ball just went right into Rosette. Oh, yeah. There's just absolutely no clinical finishing whatsoever. I do think Antoine Griezmann is a fantastic player for Atletico Madrid, but this, he seems to have these days where if you don't see him putting things together, be it passes, be it crosses, be it attempts on goal in the first five, ten minutes, mm-hmm. he just simply doesn't get it together. Yeah, And you saw that uh, playing against alongside Urente in this game just couldn't put it together. So there was like no attacking threat. And yet from the other side of things, 
Lautaro is just such a donkey that mm-hmm. he couldn't get anything going either. So unless um, Inzaghi can put something together where he's way more controlling in the midfield or mm-hmm. greater working through the channels to get through a team which is more uh, compact than Madrid are, this modern Madrid, mm-hmm. I can't see him progressing much further in this game. That's true. Well, well, well I've, I mean, the way... The game, uh, you know, the game progressed right from the first minute. I felt it was quite predictable in the way. I mean, I expected Atletico Madrid to ex- uh, approach this game uh, the way they have been approaching, you know, knockout games in the last few years, which is basically, especially in away games, which is basically try and, you know, hold your line and look for a chance on the counter. But unfortunately, that chance never came. And mm. you saw, I mean, throughout that game, Koke, uh, Saul, uh, De Paul, they were never really there. I mean, never mm. really have managed to control the midfield. Barella had quite a few, uh, I mean, quite a few occasions where Barella was basically given, you know, free reign in midfield, which doesn't really happen a lot against Atletico. So, uh, and uh, I mean, uh, Arnautovic should have scored a couple uh, more goals. Uh, mm-hmm. He missed mm-hmm. those before scoring that one, uh, you know, you know, late in the second half. So, uh, I mean, from the Atletico Madrid perspective especially in the second half uh, I mean I kind of understood the approach but uh, especially in the second half they were giving away a lot of space uh, especially in midfield uh, which is quite uncharacteristic of them uh, of of uh, uh, you know Diego Simeone side and uh, for Inter I think the way they reacted to uh, especially in the second half the way they reacted to having playing against a team uh, very well organized at the back, very narrowly, you know, shaped in defense. I think they reacted very well. They managed to unlock uh, the defense on more than a couple of occasions. And of course, I mean, they would, uh, you know, regret not scoring uh, on more than once. But I think they have too many positives to, uh, quite a few positives to take from this game. And uh, they are leading, I mean, at home in, in the league, they are leading. They have a comfortable league so they have uh, you know time to focus uh, in the Champions League and uh, I think uh, going into the second leg I would expect them uh, to continue uh, with this same approach uh, of course the uh, I mean in Madrid it won't be as easy probably they won't get as much space and uh, this is a very creative uh, Atletico side as uh, Josh correctly pointed out but uh, Inter, they have been very solid, uh, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, as we saw, the, uh, Atletico didn't really have a single uh, scoring opportunity in this entire ni- entire game. So uh, I think the Inter have quite a few positives and they will be very confident going into the game uh, in Madrid. And the way Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid have uh, approached these games, uh, you'd expect them to be a bit more uh, proactive in the second leg. And But I mean, on the balance of play, I'd say uh, Inter have been the better side, obviously, and I would expect them to go ahead and finish the job in the second leg. That's true. Now I kind of get that why we don't have that strong confidence in Inter Milan, because now you're the best Serie A team. You're 10 points ahead with the second place in your league. And now it, the, the process of you beating Atletico Madrid is, okay, ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your best work. So as now it's just a round of 16. Now we still have, remember uh, a few weeks ago when we said, okay, this is a very like equally, I don't know, equally arra- district arrangement for these strong teams because mm-hmm. strong teams always got the 
relatively weak opponents. Yeah, that will be different from the quarterfinals, and that's when the real test will begin, and also in what two or three weeks. Yeah, in two or three weeks when the um. When the second legs begin, yeah. So that's when I think the so-called strong teams or the dark horses got real tested. Yeah, especially because going into that next round, like you look at how close all these score lines mm. are. We mentioned previously about um, Milan going into a game with a three 0 lead and then kind of mentally blowing it almost. Going into this next one, for basically every single team, it may as well be a nil nil. Yeah. So we've gone from it being a big team versus a small team every time to big teams never be, being able to take advantage of that mm-hmm. and the small teams never really being able to upset things with obviously the one big exception being Porto. But even still, that's only a one one goal mm. uh, difference. It's not going to make too much. So I think next time around, I mean, let's be clear, this round of fixtures was pretty flat yeah. in, 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 in drama, in terms of quality on the pitch. Next time around, I like to think the things we've mentioned will combine to make a bit more of a crucible and it should be a bit more exciting. But as we were saying last time, I do still think the big teams will have the advantage. True. Yeah, I mean, particularly these four games on Tuesday and Wednesday, I really found uh, found them to be, you know, very boring at mm-hmm. times, to, mm-hmm. if I may yeah. use the word. And that's, uh, I mean, it doesn't really happen very frequently in the Champions League. Uh, and especially, I, I mean, teams like Arsenal, who have been doing so well in the league, they have not really been able to transfer transfer that form into the Champions League but uh, I mean again early stages early days uh, second leg should be a different story altogether especially for you know some uh, teams like uh, you know Arsenal Bayern who are chasing uh, who will be chasing the games they will obviously have to they will have to be a bit more uh, adventurous in the way they approach and uh, I mean hopefully not just in the second leg, but uh, in the quarterfinal, as uh, both of you said. I mean, we'll have the stronger teams left in the competition, and so we hopefully won't have uh, drab games like this in the that's next round. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. See ya. Speak to you then. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Nope. Oh, oh, so just wave through and I wave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>